Welcome to the Inner Huddle, a youth football development podcast for parents, coaches, and managers of young aspiring footballers. Your hosts from Pezza Street Soccer are Pez and Jeff. Welcome to the Inner Huddle. Right, should we get straight into the questions, Donna? What are the most important things to look for in a grassroots football team? My son is seven and loves playing in the park with his friends. I think that's best posed to you, that question, Pezza. Oh, well, thanks, Geoffrey. <laughs> I knew you were good at cricket, but I wasn't expecting to bat that one off so quickly. Right, simply, well, I say simply, I've written quite a lot down here, Jeff. I can see that. Which is a lot more than <laughs> you've written down. Um, simply... An environment where children improve themselves, not have to prove themselves. I've written it. Oh, that's a great quote. That's a good one, isn't it? Have you got that from somewhere? I've got that, that from somewhere. Oh. I'll never take credit for ones. Um, but yes, um, it's all about the environment rather than, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult, I could talk about it for hours really, but it's the environment and the culture that that place has got. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, but it's... It's more about the way a child feels than what they're doing, I think. If you can if make that a positive first experience, then they're likely to stay in the sport. It's a positive first experience for sport as well as football, though, isn't it? Yes, you're not just looking at football. It's, it's, it's more important things than football, believe it yeah. or not. Yeah, there is. Um, so somewhere where they can develop their character and attributes that will help them in adulthood. I've written lots of little sentences here yeah it's difficult to keep it flowing with it but yeah it's, um life lessons not just football i've written down you want you want to take them to a place where they're going to become better people not just better footballers all very deep and all very philosophical but all very important but it is that important isn't yeah. it because you can turn them off the game forever yeah and that's exactly what you want to avoid and there probably are as many bad experiences out there as there are good ones unfortunately so it is about finding the right environment and I, I imagine most parents will know what's the right environment as soon as they've walked into it I don't know I think a lot of them just automatically presume that if they're sending their kid to a team it might even be charter standard or have been around for a few years that that's it that's enough and they're very very trusting and don't look into it any deeper than that oh so you're a proper team you play yeah. in a league you've been around for a few years but they don't look any deeper than that. They're too trusting in my don't opinion. Don't be fooled by the badge of the first team because normally the youth team setup is very different to the first team. And quite often the pathways don't actually exist or they sort of pretend to exist, don't they? Yeah, and I put here, don't be fooled by winning matches and trophies. Because like I've already said, it's not it's not um it's not that important, is it? Absolutely not. Their safety their which is can be physical safety and emotional safety as well. Because yep. you can destroy these children's confidence. And their growth mindset, which we're going to go on to a little bit later, you can destroy those forever, can't you? Yeah, and going back to the charter standard, that is a, it's kind of a minimum standards required. So it is a good benchmark, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily the best place every time, does it? That's just about ticking boxes and, and filling out forms as much as anything else. Yeah, and putting people in the right places and yeah. making sure they've got the right it's, it's certificates. It's a good starting point. Yeah, it is a very good starting point. Um, I've written in the FA four corner model as well. Can you remind us what that is, Jeff? Best thing the FA have come out with, in my opinion. Um, Agreed. So it's trying to look at the individual as a whole and not just going, oh, that kid's got a good strike on them or something like that. They're looking at the technical side, psychological side, physical side and social side. And if you miss out any one of those corners, it sort of all falls down, in my opinion. So, in essence, you're looking for somewhere where your child is going to improve and develop 
in all those four areas. Yeah. Because it's been researched and designed that they're the four key areas for your child to fulfil their potential as a person as well as a footballer. Would you agree? Is that right? Yeah, and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, oh, actually, that I could go, oh, the social corner is the most important when I look at it. And then I think, actually, maybe not. It could be the psychological corner and stuff like that. But then if the technical coaching's rubbish or... Um, there's too much of it probably at some times that's irrelevant to young kids at seven years of age because that was the question, wasn't it? They all are as important as each other. So I keep looking at it and thinking, oh, that one's more important, but they all make up the whole. Yes. What are the most important things to look for in a grassroots football team? My son is seven and loves playing in the park with his friends. And to be honest, there's nothing wrong with him continuing playing in the park of his friends, is there? No. There's not an absolute not. need or rush to get anyone involved in structured football and I believe football is too structured in this country which we might get onto a little bit later as people start we've got some questions on England and things but as soon as you join a team if you stop doing other things you're kind of at the mercy of one coach aren't you one manager um, and his beliefs and his values and you need to make sure that if you do that that his values and beliefs and ethos fits in with your own and your child's that is coming back round full circle a little bit. I can remember when I was at school um, and the academy system had been set up at the start in centres of excellence. If if a child was at one of these places, they were told they couldn't play for their school team or for their clubs. or So they basically did nothing but the two or three sessions a week with their pro club. And they were told not really to do any other sports or anything else because of might get overuse injuries and things. But now I think kids are encouraged to stay on and do what... You know, the things that got them to that level in the first place and playing in the streets with their mate. Not that there's so much of that going on anymore. Um, Which is why we started Pez of Street Soccer. Yeah, it's exactly not, that. It wasn't a fancy term for flicks and tricks and, you know, yeah. there is a sort of culture of street soccer, isn't it, of being the fancy stuff. It was simply because kids don't play in the street anymore and that's where most people, including us, learnt to play. Yeah. And some of the greats say that that's how they learnt to play more than any sort of coaching that they ever got. And just having that freedom to express yourself and try things out and not get told not to do it by a coach. Exactly. So, yeah, no, there's no massive rush to get involved in structured football, I would say. But if you're going to, please do your research and don't just take him somewhere where his mates go. His mates, you know, might be all about winning and winning little bits of plastic and all the glory and their parents might be into Facebook photos of winning tournaments and things. But actually, if your end vision for your child is to be a nice person and to get life skills and life lessons um, to help them in adulthood, then it might not be the place for them. So ask questions, talk to people. It's, it's that important. You can't just take it lightly. Simple. It wasn't that simple, was it? <laughs> well, we talked about the four-corner model, and I just say, going back to those, if any of those areas are suffering, so they might be great technically, but the social side of it's not good enough, get them out. Yeah. It has to be a balanced thing, whole, holistic approach to all four of those. Happy, Jeffrey? Happy. Oh, and I also wrote down here, it's, um, it's a phrase, it's more American and Canadian, um, long-term athletic development, LTAD. Um, it's a big study done in Canada. Yeah, well, these four corners, it's the long-term player development pathway in the England DNA. It's all been written for that, isn't it? So yeah, I think similar. it stems from this LTAD um, the study that was done and the FA and other FAs around Europe and the world have, uh, have taken on and formed their DNA from. So look into it, ask advice, and we're always here to help. So why aren't we, Geoffrey? Yeah. 
Crikey, that was a long start, wasn't it, Donna? I know, that was a bit of a long one, that one. Wow, a bit different to our World Cup special shows, isn't it? Miss you, George. <laughs> Massively. <laughs> right, question number two. Jeffrey, do you want to do the honours? Yeah, um, my son is six and has got the football bug after the World Cup. He already plays tennis and has shown early promise, so we're keen for that not to get disrupted. But he wants to give football a go. What advice do you have? Let him play, I wrote down. <laughs> Let him play. It's, um, similar to the last question, really, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of these actually do tie in a lot to each other and will overlap, which is good because it helps emphasise our point. But yes, can't stop him playing and giving him a go just because he's showing promise in another sport. Um, and they're six. And they're six, so six. just expose them to everything that they look like they could fall in love with. It's, if you see them staring at something, that's normally where the burning desire comes from. And give it a crack. And lots of sports do help each other. When we had Charlie Webster, who's now captain of Chelsea v under-15s this season, wasn't he? Yeah. And he came from a tennis background before he came to us as a five, six-year-old, didn't he? Yeah. He already played tennis. He had a lovely lateral movement. He was always up on his toes, always trying to react to things. And it gave him such a head start in football. The Leicester and England centre-back, um, Maguire, he was playing lots of sports up until quite late on into his teens. I think a bit, quite a bit of hockey. We get on to multi-sport a little bit later. Ooh. We've got a question of that. And like I say, these questions are all overlapping. But in answer to their question, what advice do you have? Let them play. Enjoy it. Let them play as many sports as possible. Um, again, as long as they're getting life lessons from their sport and a growth mindset which we'll talk about later as well then all these sports can complement and actually help improve each other good answer hey that's not too bad and quite quick compared to the last one question number three do you want to read that one out pezza right goodness getting a bit of a dab on in there right number three my son's team have recently changed manager my lad is having difficulty adapting to the change in style from the previous quiet laid-back approach to a more full-on play to win mentality is there anything i can do to help him this jeffrey i'm gonna throw that over to you uh we don't know what age their son is do no we? unfortunately not so that makes it a difficult one to answer not sure where this has come from to be honest um where's your quiet laid-back manager gone have they gone to another team and can you follow them um. <laughs> <laughs> maybe do you know what i wrote here it might actually be a good experience to experience different things and different styles of management yeah um, but don't let it detract from your child's enjoyment or your core values or your child's core values and what you're trying to get out of it. In life, you will come across all sorts of different characters, different bosses, different teachers, different peer groups and stuff. So it's not necessary always to protect them from it, but it's how you react and deal with it. I think communication is the key here. You explain to your child that there are different characters in life and what they're trying to get out of it and communicate with the new coach as well. Maybe just be honest and tell him. Say, my lad's really struggling with you. You're a bit too full on for him. Find out what the manager's trying to get out of it by doing what he's doing. Yeah, they might not even realise that that's the way they're coming across to the kids too and they might want to change. Might just be a nervous thing. Yeah. His new manager might be trying to make his mark and thinking, I was always shouted at when I was a kid and told what to do and when to do it, PlayStation managers, we call them. And he might just be following on and he might appreciate the honesty, to be honest. I think that's a great answer again. He's probably just scared. It's a what, new the manager? Job. Yeah, just a new job. And he's probably wondering, he's probably hearing things like, oh, our last manager did this and he was really nice. And so he's probably feeling the pressure to fill a pair of big shoes. Yes, agreed. And try to stamp his mark and be a bit different from the last one. Even if it's just a subconscious thing, like you say, you might not know he's doing it, Jeff. 
Right, that was quite quite easy there, wasn't it, again? We're flying through these now. Donna, do you want to do number four? Um, I'm a manager of a grassroots team, and this season we'll be playing 9v9s and using offside for the first time. Do you have any advice to help with the transition and to teach the offside rule? That must be under 10s going into under 11s then. Yeah, I think it varies from different leagues and things. Some hold on a bit longer and play 7v7, don't they? Right. Some, I, some go a bit later. I manage that age group and they're going from 9v9, so it's a good question for me, really. Although my assistant, Tornike, he's kind of taken the, the reins for the, the team coaching. Oh, um, can I go and watch him explain offside rule, please? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our, our Georgian friend <laughs> explaining the offside rules. It's going to be great, isn't it? I think he starts tonight, actually. They've got a coaching session. Yes, he is, yeah. Yeah. We should probably go. If you're listening, TC, we love you. (laughs) All the best. We'll we'll try and give you as much advice as possible. Do you reckon he sent this in? Maybe. Again, not sure where this came from. So, TC will pretend it's to you. Um, So, yes, what advice? Can you give us any advice? Well, yes, I've just put practice as much as possible, like anything else, I guess. But it's not easy. The the 9v9 bit should sort of take care of itself, shouldn't it? Just a natural progression to have more kids out there and don't get too bogged down with systems and yeah i've done a pre-season with an age group that went from 7v7 to 9v9 and the easiest way to describe the offside rule is a 50p coin um that was produced and it has on the remember you doing this, on the tail you? side of it it's got um should we get the photo up and put it on websites and yes stuff? yes we shall or, um social media at least so it's going to have a triangle before the halfway line and after the halfway line and it just says this is offside and this one's not offside and it just, in a picture, it does paint a thousand words. So that might help TC out a lot if he um, finds a 50p coin with it, <laughs> with it explained on the back and he won't have to do any talking then. He's going to be sat there, I'm scratching his head now. Yeah. What's this 50p coin? <laughs> Bless him. Handouts. Keep it fun. I've seen some really good handouts that you can print out about the offside rule, to be fair. Um, and as I said, don't over-focus on it at the expense of more important development areas because everyone's in the same boat. They're all trying to learn it, and it will come in time. But if you keep on and on and on it at the expense of technical training or other areas of forecast, There'll probably be one or two that just don't get it for the whole season yeah, like as well. anything else. They'll just be offside, and you just have to say, well, they're offside. It's taken you years, but I'll explain it to you. We're flying through these questions, aren't we, Jeff? Yep. But as of everything, keep it simple, do it well. And good luck, Tony K. Chivinidzei. TC the legend. Right, question number five. Donna? With England doing so well at the World Cup, plus recent successes with the younger age groups, do you think we are doing going in the right direction with youth development in this country? Yes, but there's still a long way to go. You're looking at me. I am, I'm always looking at you, Jeff. <laughs> Put some input in, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, for the first time ever in my life, it feels like, there's a bit of joined up thinking. So if someone goes on an FA Level 1 coaching course, starting their pathway, they kind of know where they're going with it and there won't be too many different messages on that course to doing probably a pro licence and and the highest level of coaching qualification you can do. It's all uh, linked a lot better now, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got this long-term player development pathway, which we've touched on already. Just the English DNA that you've been Yeah, which about. includes the four corners with the technical, psychological, physical and social corner. Um, whereas before it was just about, here's some knowledge, go away and coach, and you could go and, you know, it could be completely different. It wouldn't mean one level three coaching course is producing 
the same as another level three coach, or it might do, but it'll be very tick box in this. Um, so everything's got long term player development in mind. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but again, you can now. It feels like a coach can be a bit more individual, and they can be a bit more creative with the things they're doing. But it's within a structure that everyone understands. If that makes sense. And there's an obvious progression, isn't there? Yes. For coaches now, as well as players. Yes. And I think Southgate had a lot to do with that, didn't he? Before he became manager. He was part of the DNA, wasn't he? Yeah, so it's probably been set up for over 10 years now and we're getting towards, I think, in this country, the quality and the standards we need to be at. I have written here, though, be careful not to be fooled by it. Um, it was success for team spirit and preparation, but we still lack world-class technicians who can perform consist- consistently on the big stage. It was a well-organised campaign with some wonderful leadership. And we had things like team spirit, didn't we? And as I've just said, some great leadership. And obviously everything was really well planned out, thought well through. We've got great facilities. Yeah. But still, when it came to the crunch, we did lack that individual creativity and quality when we needed it. Yeah, just of that very highest. Yeah, we were missing a superstar, aren't we, in midfield? Yeah. Who can really pull strings and find the killer pass. And... Consistently. Yeah. I mean, Harry Kane had his moments where he thought he's world class. But consistently, we haven't really got that somebody with that spark, like a Modric or whoever, De Bruyne, who, mind you, he started off slow, but you get uh, the idea. You can't help but think if um, Loftus-Cheek played more first-team football, he might have been that player. Yeah, um, so these, these lads need the sure opportunities. Yeah, been plenty that have been missed over the last however long, um, which is a bit of a reoccurring theme for this country, isn't it? And I also wrote here, dare I say it, we actually lost three games, Jeff. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we we could possibly, I've got nothing to back this up, we could possibly be the only World Cup team in history to lose three games at a World Cup. Can't have happened too many times before, because depending on what stage, yes. you just go out. And if you lose, they finish fourth, haven't they? Yeah, if you, if you lose two in the group stages, three points isn't normally enough to go through. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that's happened too many times before. But... Not trying to detract from their achievements. I thought they overperformed, punched above their weight and was absolutely delighted. There's a nice feel about the team at the moment. Yeah, and you'd think it will get even more kids playing football and falling in love with it. When I'm coaching now, normally at the start of a session, kids are trying to recreate the penalty shootout and be Jordan Pickford and, and, and things like this, which is what it's all about, isn't it? That is the important thing. Written here as well, a bit of what we touched on earlier about um, my fear is that football is too structured and children don't play enough. I heard um, Dean Saunders and um, Alan Brazil this morning and they were saying that when they were kids, you used to run home from school so you could get more time playing out on the street with your friends or in the park. One of them had a telegraph pole as one goal and a jump of, you know, for another post and all that kind of stuff and it just doesn't happen anymore. Sort of by default... You were getting in your four corners just by playing street football. You're social, yeah, you, you're you'd find your place socially and and all that sort of things just by playing with kids that were ten years older than you, and you'd find your position because you maybe not want to get kicked about in the middle of the pitch, or you might be one of the bigger, stronger ones. So it, yeah, it would all just. I hate to say it, but it would happen quite naturally, wouldn't it? Yes. If you just go and throw some And you get your down. hours in, because you'd be yeah. playing for hours until it got dark, so and technically you were doing well. Getting exposed to lots of different scenarios during those hours and hours and hours on end, playing out until it was dark. And controversially, 
I genuinely believe that some kids would be better off just doing that with no adult intervention yeah. for a few years um, rather than going and being at the mercy of one coach or one manager at a structured club. I genuinely believe it. Because they're not exposed to that coach's biases and what they're trying to create or achieve or what they see in young children might be different. To, whereas if you're just there on your own, you're finding that out for yourself, aren't you? Well, I remember playing in the street and if you were thrashing another team you used to say well we'll swap sides or yeah. you can have the extra two players and all that because you used to be fair and used to work it out yourselves naturally yeah. you used to be able to sort out all these you knew what a foul was a foul and okay might have been a couple of dust-ups you'd sort out but they were very very rare um, and yes like I say generally believe that a lot of these children would be more creative at least Jeff than, um, than they would be just going in for the structured football Right, I think we've uh, we've we've done that one. We're running out of time, Jeff, so we need to crack straight on with question number six, which I think is the hardest, most difficult question of all to answer. I think it's the easiest one to answer. Do you? Yeah. Wow, but there's so many. Well, should we just read it out? Yeah, go Let's on. just read it out. Right, question number six. What's the best bit of advice you can give a football parent to help a young child fulfil their potential? Leave them alone and let them play. Leave them alone and let them play. Yeah. Okay, well, that was the easiest <laughs> question we've ever had, isn't it? Do you know, I've thought so long and hard about this because my whole life is to do with this question. Yeah. Everything I've put my heart and soul into, whether it's the Futsal Club, whether it's Salisbury United, whether it's Pezzers, Street Soccer, has all been about this question, helping children fulfil their potential. If you're going to go a bit deeper, I would say... Probably should, Jeffrey. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just maybe learn about what praise actually does and what you're praising and how that has an effect on the child because that will have a massive effect on all four corners that we've talked about. It's so difficult not to leave anything out on this because it's that important. We've yeah. studied it, we've read it, we've been to courses on it. Our whole life's been about it. I couldn't really sum it up. I've tried to sum it up in, with three. Go for it. One, concentrate on the process, not the outcomes. Brilliant. But again, we're going to need to go into these a little bit. Um, number two, Help develop a growth mindset. Brilliant. Absolutely essential. And number three, fully understand yours and your child's end game and reasons for playing. So what, what's your vision? What do you want out of it? What's, why is your kid playing and why are you letting your kid play? What's your, what's your end game? What are you trying to achieve by it? And then whatever it is, make sure that your actions match that. So if, you, if you're putting your kid in because you want them to learn life lessons and to be a better adult one day and to overcome challenges and things, but you're on the sidelines shouting at them and making all their decisions for them and stuff, your actions aren't matching your vision, your end game. Yeah, that's quite a serious one, that third one. If you're actually going to sit down and work that out with your child, you're clearly serious about the sport of football or whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, but it can be anything, be yeah. just to have fun. So your kids yeah. say, I just want to have fun. I just want my kids to have fun. So then make sure your actions, make sure it's fun for them. So not analysing their games afterwards or paying for goals and all those little, loads of things fit underneath that. As long as you know what your end goal is. Should we try and go through your three points then? So what was your first one again? So I'll remind you of what they are. Number one, concentrate on the process, not the outcomes. Number two, help develop a growth mindset. And number three, fully understand yours and your child's end game and reasons for playing and then match your actions to it. And you can also add, make sure that the club they're at does that too. Because if yours and your child's end game and vision for what you're trying to get out of it differs to your club, don't matter if they're winning tin pots and trophies and all that kind of stuff, it's not for you because you've got different 
end game and different vision. Happy? Yeah. In a huddle from Peza Street Soccer.